I want to ask you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 4. Throughout this year, 2024, I'm going to bring several messages, I don't know how many yet, on God's precious promises. It has been my New Year's resolution this year to think about and to dwell on and to pursue the promises of God in my own life. And even you might have noticed at the nursing home <laughs> uh, last Sunday that I kind of mentioned some of those things, uh, talking about that wonderful hymn, Standing on the Promises of God, and just the veracity of God. Why that we can stand on God's promises? Because He is not just a promise maker, but He is the ultimate promise keeper. And so I really hope that this will be some iron in your blood uh, throughout the year, that you'll really gain some strength from this, and I'm really excited about sharing these things with you uh, tonight. Uh, just might encourage you, uh, there's a book by Max Licato, and I've bought it, and I'm reading through it, and so far it's been really good, and it's called uh, Praying the Promises. And uh, just, you might jot that down, and if you're in a Christian bookstore and you see it, uh, it's been really good reading, very encouraging uh, to me as well. So here in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, we read, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Listen to the way the promises are described, beloved. They are described as exceeding. They are a, a, described as great, and they are described as precious. I want to try to do a little survey tonight, and we'll have the big reveal at the end of service. You might have to remind me, you know, because sometimes I forget to do the reveal when I do these surveys. I just want you to, if you have a piece of paper or something to jot down on, I want you to just come up with a number of how many promises that you think there might be in the Word of God. Just, I'll say, let's just do a 1 to 50,000. We'll do a range, okay? Nobody say a million or nothing. All right, it's going to be somewhere between 1 and 50,000. And just uh, jot down a number, and uh, we'll see who gets the, the closest to the uh, amount that has been recorded. But one thing that we know, it's not just two or three promises, is it? No. Right, because the scripture itself, the verse we just read, said that they're exceeding. It means there's a multitude of them. And they're exceeding and they're great and they're very precious to us. Because as we mentioned Sunday at the nursing home, we're living in a time when deceit is at a, an all-time high. And that's sad. It's sad to live in, in that day when parents can't be trusted, when politicians can't be uh, trusted. Uh, sometimes even preachers, pastors can't be trusted. Um, it reminds me of a, of a joke that I heard one time. They said that um, these people that really loved each other when they were young on earth and they got separated 
and uh, they died unmarried. Both of them never married. And they got to heaven, and they found that each other was there. And so they came to God, and they said, of course, y'all know this is a joke. People don't get married in heaven. But they said, uh, God, uh, if it's not too much, we would like to get married because we were never together on earth. And uh, the Lord said, well, let me think about it. And, and he, he thought about it a while and uh, called them back together and said, okay, uh, we're going to have a ceremony, and we're going to let y'all get married together. And uh, so they did. They had the service, the preacher, everything. And they got married, and a little time passed, and they came back to God and said, God, we're so sorry, but we hate each other. <laughs> they said, we want to get a divorce. And God said, I can't believe you people. He said, you saw how long it took me to get a preacher up here. How long do you think it's going to take me to get a lawyer? <laughs> so, so it just speaks to the time that we're living in is, is a day in which you can't hardly trust anything. And so it's wonderful when it comes to the promises of God, there's something that we can really lay hold to, and we're never going to be uh, disappointed when we put our hopes and our dreams on these guarantees that God has made in His Word. And so there's just four aspects. These are going to be uh, actions toward God's precious promises that I want us to consider tonight. The first thing is, when it comes to God's precious promises, I want us to ponder them. I want us to ponder on them. And this means to, to meditate on them, to think about them often. Um, it's kind of like um, that we were allowed to, be, to sit in on the reading of the wheel and we've heard what God, what God has said is, is coming to us. And so we're waiting and we're rejoicing uh, in, in some things that we've already been given, but also in some things that are also yet uh, to come. And we're meditating on the family fortune that we have as the children of God. And for every problem that we face in this life, there is a promise of God uh, toward that problem. And I, I just rejoice to tell you that. And that's part of the joy and, and the fun of studying the promises of God is that we, we learn that as we seek to ponder the promises. Just a simple one. You don't even have to turn to it. I'm turning to another uh, place. But just like something as simple as Psalm 23, verse 1, right? The Lord is my Shepherd, I shall not want. That's a promise of the Word of God. Go with me now to the book of Romans, chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. And it's kind of interesting how that this chapter begins. And it begins with Paul kind of saying, you're probably not going to want to believe me about this. He said, but, but I'm not lying about what I'm going to say. This is really what's in my heart. So he begins in verse 1. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. So he's, he's upset about something. Something is really bothering him. And I know that, we can all 
um, understand that type of feeling. Probably everybody came in here tonight with something like that at some aspect in your life. And if you didn't tonight, well, praise the Lord. I'm so glad that that's the case. But if you live through this life, you're going to experience things like this. So he says, this is very interesting, even this language. He said, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Anybody in here got unsaved loved ones? Unsaved, maybe unsaved children? And how much that you would love uh, to see them come to know the Lord, to, to feel and, and to know the grace of God? Well, the Apostle Paul felt this way toward uh, his kinsmen in the flesh, those that were natural Jews that didn't believe the truth about Jesus Christ. And he, he wanted and he desired so much for them to know that, that he even says, that I desire it so much this way, he says, that I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, from my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I, I just tell you, brothers, I don't know that I've ever loved anybody uh, that much that I would wish myself accursed from Christ so that, so that they could be saved. That, that truly is a deep, deep love uh though that's an impossibility hallelujah we can't be accursed from christ if we belong to christ we will always be christ but it's a hyperbole that paul is using to describe how much he longs for them to be saved and to know the joys of christ as he knows because he remembers and he knows how it was for him that that he you know was an enemy uh, of Jesus Christ. And he says, and, and he talks about this group. And he says, who, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth? He said, they have these wonderful things. He says, the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God. And look, look at that last one, the three last words of verse 4. Read it with me. And the promises. And the promises. So if that is true, if the Apostle Paul can say that that is true of natural Israel, right? How much more it is true of spiritual Israel, which you are. And so you are people who, who have been given and, who have, and to whom pertain the precious promises of God. And that's something that we need to meditate and we need to think on often. God's promises are really, beloved, what I would call the pole stars in our pilgrimage. You know how the sailors of old, before there was GPS, they used the stars to guide them, especially at night in their sea boats. And there were pole stars that they could go by that always helped them maintain the correct course. And so this is the way that we need to be in the darkness of this world and in the darkness of the journeys that we go through. There are some pole stars in our pilgrimage and they are the promises of God. And we need to ponder on them. We need to meditate on them. We need to think on them often. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. The language here, 
will be very familiar to you in regards to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and so what I, wanted, wanted, what I want to do here is I just want to give you one of these exceeding great and precious promises. I'm going to give you four of them tonight to just think about, okay? Because who in here struggles to some degree with some type of temptation in their life? Everybody, right? That's a given. We, we all have a tendency to love something too much uh, in, in our lives. And it's a great grace in your life uh, to be free from addictions. And that can only be found through um, loving the right thing more than that which that you shouldn't love. And so this is one of the great promises of the Word of God. Whatever that you're, you're dealing with, whatever that you and I might be struggling with, listen to this promise of the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. This is very important for us to understand, you know, because a lot of people that get sucked into things, the devil gets to think that, them well it's just because it's me you know nobody else has this problem nobody else has these weaknesses it's not true there is no temptation that you and I will experience but it's just not a common thing that everybody has to learn how to deal with in their life but that is not the promise that's just a fact so the, but the thing is, is that, that the Apostle Paul is saying, look, every person in their life is going to have to deal with these temptations. These temptations don't come from God, amen. God doesn't tempt any man, neither can God be tempted. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when he's enticed, it brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. And so... Listen to the whisper and the key of the freedom of the promises of God. He says, There are no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Is God true? Is that word true? It's true for every single child of God that we have a God that's faithful. He'll never allow us to be tempted in such a way that we're not able to bear it and also will make a way of escape for us in our lives. That's a great promise, isn't it? We need to ponder. We need to meditate on that in our lives. Secondly, not only do we want to ponder the promises of God and meditate on them like the family fortune, right? Because we're the people of the promise. As Paul said, we also want to proclaim the promises of God. Proclaim them. Say them out loud uh, to yourself. Proclaim them to others. It's been so fun this year because on my bus route every Monday, at the end of the bus route, 
I'm sharing one of the promises of God from the scriptures with the kids on the bus. And so even this, this uh, Monday when I got on, uh, one of the kids after they begun, got on, they said, Mr. Pitney, don't forget to share the promise today. <laughs> so I was glad that you know, it meant something to them. And in my classes too, my interventions, just once a week on Monday, I'll, I'll share a promise. So the first one that I, one of the first ones was what I shared is that God said, you know, I'll never forget the good that you try uh, to do. He said, I'll never forget your, your labor of love. But, and then tell them, you know, that God is, he, he's willing and he desires to remember the good, but then that he promises also that he'll forgive and forget the bad. And that's so wonderful uh, about God. And then I sent this one out to some of the sisters this week about what God said to Joshua. I will not fail thee. I will not uh, forsake thee. You don't think some of these young people uh, that are going through what they're going through need to hear that? That that's the promise of, of God. Uh, everybody in their life has failed them. Everybody in their life has forsaken them. But then I can tell them, but there's a God in heaven that has promised. He'll never forsake you. He'll never fail you, right? And to be able to proclaim them, proclaim them to myself, proclaim them to others. I'm proclaiming them to you uh, tonight. Proclaim the promises of God. Go with me to uh, second. Corinthians, Second Corinthians, uh, chapter one, and verse twenty. <clears throat> love this one. Love this one as well. I've, I've quoted this from the pulpit and in so many uh, sermons. Oh, highlight this in your heart. Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse twenty. Proclaim this for all the promises of God. In Him, that is in Jesus Christ, are yea, and in Him, amen. It's like a double money, uh, your money back guarantee, right? That they're sure in Him, yes, and then let it be so. All the promises of God in Him are yea, and amen, unto the glory of God by us. Uh, write this down if you're taking notes. Uh, because, beloved, what is a promise? A promise is a declaration that you're going to carry out something that you said that you would do, right? Like promises that we make, vows that we take in marriage, vows that we take when we uh, covenant together with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are vows and promises that we make. Well, beloved, we're just finite men, fallible men, but God is infallible. God is infinite, and, and He is the God of truth without iniquity. God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of man that He should repent. Proclaim this in your heart. So, we'll just write this down. God's promises are the definitive declarations of a mighty and loving God. God has specifically declared definitively things that He is going to do for us. Hallelujah. And those things, those promises, like the ones that I've already talked about, He's going to be our shepherd. 
He's never going to fail us. He's never going to forsake us. He's never going to allow us to be tempted more than we're able to bear. Even if we are tempted, he's going to make a way of escape for us. These are the, the, the definitive declarations of a mighty and loving God. And why these are so powerful to us is because so often we get overwhelmed by our circumstances or we get uh, so disappointed in ourselves or, or we get so offset in our goals because of our possessions or things we're trying to possess. But God's promises are greater than all those things. They're greater than our circumstances. Amen? Were they not to Abraham of old who had been promised uh, a promised seed and even though he had reached a year's past childbearing, and his wife had too, it said that he didn't stumble at the promises of God, but he gained strength in his faith, and God was faithful to him and gave him exactly what he promised. It was greater than his circumstances, greater than our possessions, greater than ourselves. Right? Oh, it's so good. We need to proclaim this in our lives. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. And we read this about Abraham. And I just kind of love the language here and how vivid that it is. And it's the way that, that I want God to, to help me be because it, it's kind of the language is kind of like that Abraham did not tiptoe around the promise, right? Uh, well, you know, I guess maybe God might be able to do that. No. You know, it even says that when he took Isaac up on the mount, you remember, uh, the servants were there and he said, I and the lad are going up on the mount. He knew what God had told him to do, but he said, but we'll both return. Because the scriptures tells us that Abraham believed that even if he took Isaac's life, that God would raise him from the dead. So he didn't tiptoe around the promises of God, but it's as if he plunged in deep to them, right? Oh, he thought about them. He pondered them, didn't he? Didn't he? And he proclaimed them often to himself and to others. God has, has said, I'm going to be a father of many nations, that through me all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Did God make good on those promises to our father Abraham? Yeah. Oh, yes, he did. They were in Christ, yea, and amen to the glory of God. So, so look at this and, and uh, just think about yourself and, and ask God, Lord, get, strengthen my faith toward the definitive declarations that you made. Fix my eyes again on the pole stars of, of my pilgrimage and, and let me have uh, this um, unfeigned hope uh, that uh, your, your uh, children had in the word of God. So, Romans 4. Let's look at this. Oh, this is good. Romans 4. Are you there with me? Let's go to verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. There's the word, the truth, the promise of God. And listen to this. Oh, that we might be this way. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now this is just staggering about Sarah that, 
you know, because we know the natural course of women after a certain age and they go through menopause is supposed to be medically impossible, physically impossible for them to have children, but it's also impossible that a virgin could, should conceive, right? But Mary said, I'm with child of the Holy Ghost. And so Sarah also found life in her womb. And Abraham held the son of promise. Oh, so beautiful, isn't it? He staggered not. I, I like that. That's like he didn't tiptoe around at the promise he didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. That means he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And, and here it is, and, and lay hold to it. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our circumstances, about what we have or don't have. But being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Hallelujah. There it is. There's the great key to it. Proclaim that in your life. Just have, uh, Regina, is my phone there? Mary Reese, would you bring me my phone? I need that. I have something on it. Um, Y'all heard me allude many times to the story in Pilgrim's Progress about faithful and Christian when they were captured and in the dungeon of Doubting Castle. Remember that uh, it's like so many of us that they were walking on the king's highway and the way got hard for them. It was really rough and hard and they saw this bypath and it was going through this meadow and the path looked so comfortable and it looked like it just went right by the king's highway. So they were just like, all of us, well, why don't I just make it, e- why don't we just make it easier for ourselves? We know that it's not God's way, but it's close to God's way. And But we know what happened. They were going along there. They weren't being careful. And they got captured by giant despair, locked in this doubting castle. And they were just beaten with many, many stripes. And, of course, all that's an allegory of our Christian walk. And so uh, where I'm going to break in is uh, the, the giant despair had just uh, taken them out in this courtyard where there were all these bones that had, where people had just been ripped apart. And uh, he asked, John Despair asked Christian and Faithful, well, what do you think that, that these are? And he said, oh, let me tell you. These were people that came in here just like you and had hopes of trying to escape or get away from me. And I would fall, I would fall into my fits of anger and I just ripped them apart and I just left them where they lay. And that's probably what I'm going to do to y'all tomorrow. And then he beat them and put them back down in the dungeon. And the way that the story, that he tells the story, like when they were in the dungeon, that they could hear John Despair and his wife's name was Diffidence. And they were talking, a pillow talk on their bed. And Diffidence was like, I just want you to just go ahead and kill them tomorrow. Just go ahead and kill them tomorrow. Because I I think that they think that uh, they might can get away and that they have some kind of hope. And so I, I just want you to promise me that you'll just, you'll do it. You'll just kill him tomorrow. And, and he was like, I promise, honey, if you'll just be quiet, you know, I'll just, I will. I'll just kill him tomorrow. So that was, you know, the last thing that they heard. And then it says in the story that they began to sing and, and they began to pray uh, together as they thought it was, was their last night together. And uh, 
I'll pick up uh, reading. This is from Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. Well, on Saturday, about midnight, the pilgrims began to pray and continued in prayer to almost break of day. Now, a little before it was day, good Christian, as one half amazed, break out in this passionate, passionate speech. What a fool, quoth he, am I thus to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty? I have a key in my bosom called promise that will I am persuaded open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then said hopeful, it was hopeful, not faithful. That's good news, good brother. Pluck it out of thy bosom and try. Then Christian pulled it out of his bosom and began to try at the dungeon door, whose bolt, as he turned the key, gave back, and the door flew open with ease, and Christian and Hopeful both came out. Then he went to the outward door that led into the castle yard, and with his key opened that door also, and he went to the iron gate, for that must be opened too, but that lock went exceeding hard, yet the key did open it. Then they thrust open the gate to make their escape with speed, but that gate as it opened made such a creaking that it wakened giant despair, who hastily, rising to pursue his prisoners, felt his limbs to fail, for his fits took him again, so that he could by no means go after them. Then they went on and came to the king's highway again, and so were safe because they were out of his jurisdiction. Now, I've always just loved that thought, and I've used it often in my life in times when I've been cast down, when I've been discouraged. I have comforted myself. I have encouraged myself. I have pressed on by God's grace, by remembering the promises of God, by proclaiming them to myself and to others. Well, we also need to pray them. We need to pray the promises. These, this is our unshakable hope. So the second promise that I wanted to give you, I've already given to you, is in Joshua 1.5. 1, God said, I, I promise, He said, I will never Fail thee, I will never forsake thee. That was the second promise tonight. Pray these promises as our unshakable hope so we don't forget them and, and that we learn to lean on God's word. Beloved, we are the people of the promise. Nothing lifts the soul like the promises of God. Nothing lifts the soul like His promises. just want to go uh, to Hebrews very quickly. Hebrews is, is full of this. Remember that the Hebrew letter was, was written, written to Hebrew Christians because they, they were uh, apostatizing. They were turning away because it was so hard for them to be a Christian. And it was written for their encouragement to not turn away from Christ. Here in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, he, he commands this. And we're thinking about praying, remembering uh, these promises. He, he says in Hebrews 6, beginning in verse 11, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the what? The promises. The promises. That's what I want to be. I want to be an inheritor of the promises of God. I want to pray them in my life. I want to lift my soul. I want to be a person, and I want us to be a people of the promises. Now, I'm going to give you another great promise for you to latch on to, to pray 
over to proclaim to others in your life. This is found in the book of Philippians chapter 4, another one of my favorite. Because we are a needy people, we constantly feel ourselves uh, to be lacking, lacking maybe in necessities that we need in life, lacking in strength, uh, in, in, in many things. But listen to this great promise when you feel that way and, and pray it and proclaim it. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, Philippians 4, 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Beloved, you can take that to the bank. Whatever that you need in this life or in the life to come, the Apostle Paul says the promises of God is that He's going to supply it according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So, ponder them, proclaim them, pray them. What's next? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like that you've got your plan, you're on the diving board, you've run out to the end of the diving board, you've made your jump into the promises of God, and now what's left is to plunge into them. All right? You've pondered them, you're proclaiming them, you're praying them. Now, beloved, plunge into them. Don't tiptoe around them. Dive deep into God's goodness and desperately need them. Fill your spiritual lungs with the positive assurance of all of the blessings of God. Oh, we love this, what it says in Hebrews again. If you're still in, in Hebrews, go just a little bit further to uh, chapter 11, where we find these all these people uh, pursuing, proclaiming, pondering, praying, plunging into the promises of God. I can't wait to start preaching out of Joshua because that's what the book of Joshua is all about, them inheriting and, and pursuing and, and enjoying everything that God had promised to them. And at the end of the book of Joshua, as jo in Joshua's dying breath, what he does, he reminds the people of God, every single thing God promised to us has come to pass. Hallelujah. Oh, it's so good. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, highlight this one, obtained promises and stopped the mouth of lions. That's the kind of Christian that I want to be. I want to live a victorious Christian life. I don't want to be the bridesmaid and never the bride, right? I, won't, I don't want to just think about the promises or proclaim them or pray them. I want to plunge into them. I want to obtain them, every one that God would allow me to. Oh, beloved, dive deep into God's goodness. Fill your spiritual lungs with a positive assurance of His blessing over His life. And to close, we'll turn in the Old Testament to our fourth promise tonight. Don't let me forget to do the big reveal, too. I was reminded. Because kind of what I would like y'all to do, just in your own personal lives, is, is to start finding a promise for yourself, either every week 
or even every day. There's so many you could find one for even every day and just feed spiritually off of God's bounty uh, to us and, and, uh, and use this wonderful gift that we have been given. So here in Isaiah 40, uh, this, is, this is such a great promise. Beginning in verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the, young, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. But what does the scripture say? What is the promise of God? But they that wait on the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. As eagles. They shall run. And not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Does that put iron in your blood? Does that encourage you for Thursday through Saturday till we get to Sunday again? I hope so, beloved. There they are in the night sky, the promises of God, steady and true, to guide us onward and heavenward. May we ponder them. May we proclaim them. May we pray them in our lives but may we also plunge into them in our experience. Okay, so big reveal. Promises in God's Word. Are y'all ready? 7,487. That's enough for every day for sure, right? 7,487. Anybody get close? 